Go thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Hey, people. I have a question for you. Has life ever thrown you a pickleball? Yeah. I mean, seriously. Has it? Well, today, we have an awesome guest who's going to talk about this deep topic with us. How life throws you curveballs. Yeah. Seriously. Have you ever had somebody mean to you? Say something mean that they shouldn't have said and broke your heart. Probably. You're like me, probably. Yeah. Anyway, this music is different, isn't it? (laughs) It's not what I intended, but... (laughs) This is my husband's music, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's pretty cool. So, hey, here's the thing. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to share this out on Facebook, like... Right, right now, and then we're going to actually talk to our guest. And no, we're not talking about pickleball. Oops, wait. Although we could. Okay. Is that the one that you were meant to play? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Alright, hold on a minute. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this out on Facebook so a couple of people can see it. It's highly unusual, but I like it. You know why? Because my husband, who's handsome and hunky and awesome, he made it. Yeah, he did. In case you guys didn't know that, Randall Pandlebear does music. If you need any actual music for your uh, project video or whatever, you might want to hit over at chapelhillmedia.com and check that website out and hit Bearface up for some help. All right? Okay, good. Okay, so I was just talking about pickleball because I could and how life throws you a curveball when sometimes your heart is wounded. You know, what you need is you need somebody to give you some healing words, right? Which is why we titled the show Healing Words for Wounded Hearts with the Dream Activate Her, H-E-R, the Dream Activate Her. Although I kind of like it because it's like, yeah, there's like a play on words, which is super cool, which, you know, if you're a wordsmith, then yeah, I probably love you because you're like right here in my heart. Yep. So anyway, hey, a couple of months ago, it was, I don't know, September, October, November, December, January. Well, almost six months ago, I had the privilege of meeting my beautiful, godly, super cool guest, 
you know, at Dr. Aquino Finch's Social Power Summit that took place here in Nashville. And it was super cool because this particular woman, Joyce Gilmer, just not Gilmore, Gilmer, just so you know, don't ever pronounce it wrong. Anyway, I met Joyce kind of virtually through Instagram uh, because we both have a love for animals that goes very deep. It's actually a deep love. Uh, she loves them far away. I love them close. Anyway, Joyce and I, we, we kind of went back and forth. And when she was speaking, we actually both spoke on the, on the panel, uh, the, I think it was the promotions panel because we both promote stuff. Yeah. Anyway, Ikena thought that it would be cool to pair us up with, um, Roshonda. And we did that. We had her on the show a couple weeks ago. And now today it's Joyce's turn. And let me tell you a little bit about her. Hold on a minute. She is a minister of the gospel for more than 30 years, even though she doesn't look that old. Uh huh. She currently travels all across America. She's a speaker and a preacher. She's the CEO of Empowered Living Coaching and Consulting. And she is the creator of the Dream Launch Her Academy uh, program and the Dream Build Her Mentorship Circle. So she, she has like, all this super great stuff that she does. She actually she also is re-releasing her book called uh, Healing Words for Wounded Hearts, which is kind of where we got the title, to be honest. I mean, just, you know, just, just saying. And she's got a whole bunch of other stuff going on. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk to Joyce. And do me a favor, share this out with whoever it is that's in your social media. If you're on Periscope, jump off, go over to Facebook, share it out. Uh, it's on Bible News Radio over there. And wherever you are, please just share this out. Because, you know, your share could actually connect Joyce with somebody that needs her voice to encourage them. Because, you know what? I can't encourage everybody, people, just so you know. But <laughs> Joyce can. Yeah, she can. So anyway, Joyce, welcome to the show. Glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm ecstatic to be here with you. <laughs> ecstatic. You're ecstatic? I am. Wow, I think you're the first person that said that ever. Are, yeah. Well, I am a wordsmith. I do love words. So I'll <laughs> probably pull a few more out. <laughs> Just give me time. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? Don't you think words are very powerful? I do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do. They're everything. And that's why I wrote the book. One of the reasons I wrote the book. Yeah. Um, I, think that, I think that there is healing that can be brought through what we say, just as woundedness can be brought through what we say. I think we can re kind of reverse the impacts of our wounds if we just start with some of the things that we say, just speaking kinder. Yes. You know, speaking life, being nicer. And, and I think it does, makes all the difference. I agree. I think it's Ephesians 4, 29. Quick, somebody fact check me like they do in real media. But I think, <laughs> I, I think, it's, I think it's Ephesians 4, 29 that says, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only such a word that's good for edification according to the need of the moment. So that might give grace to those who hear. I remember this because years ago, my mentor actually told me to memorize that verse because I had, you know, I would say bad words, like I'm going to hit you upside the head with a lead pipe, you know, stuff like that. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't, and it wasn't actually until... And I mean, this was like 30 years ago, okay? So it wasn't just yesterday. But it wasn't until uh, probably five or six years ago when I was reading that verse, the last part of it really hit me in a different way. And it was it was so that it, we might give grace to those who hear. And I've always looked at that verse and thought, just you, you know, the other person, not myself. 
And the thing is, is, you know, we hear everything that we actually say. So whatever we say, it impacts us too. Hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. so it's kind of like, you know, you've seen that quote probably where it says, you know, uh, if, if you talk to other people the way that you talk to yourself, why would you want to be friends with them? Because a lot of people have that negative talk and, and it just, you know, ruins their life. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you receive those words and you start to believe those words. And, you know, I think for me, I, I experienced so much woundedness by words growing up uh, in the 70s. Yes, I am that old. <laughs> um, but growing up in the 70s and uh, in the inner city where I grew up, and it was just a, it wasn't an extremely rough area, but it wasn't the best area either. And so people were just trying to survive. And so I grew up with a lot of latchkey kids. Remember the latchkey generation where our parents worked and we were at home by ourselves. And so we just, you know, kind of got, got into all kinds of things. But I remember, you know, there being a lot of teasing and bullying um, in that time. And so for me, I was very skinny. You know, I had all this long, thick hair at the time and I was skinny and I was the darker toned of everyone else. And so all those things became targets and reasons for people to make fun of me. And uh, so I was, and I was already very shy. I was awkward. I was an introvert. So all those words just added more devastation, right? To this little girl that had low self-esteem. And so I think early on, I learned the power of words, whether it's positive or negative. Mm -hmm. It took me a long time to sort of uh, reframe my mindset and sort of reframe my thinking and understand that I am fearfully and wonderfully made and that I'm beautiful in God's eyes. In fact, I talked to myself a lot back then. And now I talk and I answer. There you go. <laughs> I answer myself. <laughs> uh -huh. Wait, <laughs> isn't it interesting how, e like how evil people are? I mean, really? Yeah, I mean, for no, no reason. Just no reason at all. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, I don't mean to be negative. Where was I? I can't remember. <laughs> I just turned 50. I'm of that age too, just like you. But here's the thing. Somebody asked me recently, I think I said this yesterday on the show, that, you know, do, don't you think that there are more evil people today than there, than there used to, than good people? And my response was, yeah, actually I do. Because if you look at scripture, broad is the way, you know, that leads to destruction and, and narrow is the way that leads to, you know, life. Um, but we have an opportunity to be the light where there's darkness. And, and so I, I think about how, you know, your generation, well, which is my generation, we're about the our same generation. age. Yeah. Our generation. I mean, I grew up in the seventies and the early eighties too. I mean, uh -huh. you know. We made it, Joyce. We made it through. <laughs> we did. I mean, Randall was a latchkey kid. You know, he grew up pretty much by himself. Um, I grew up in a very verbally and sexually abusive home. So I get that. Uh, my mother was probably the biggest critic of me um, and attacked my looks. You know, I mean, and but anyway, my point before I forget it is is that somebody was mean to you and attacked you because of your looks. Uh, and my looks were completely different. I was a chubby little kid. I haven't, I haven't quietly outgrow that, but, <laughs> but when wow. I was eight years old, I was like, I was really, a really fat little kid. I had very short hair. Uh, it looked like a boy. I mean, it was extremely short, which is why I will never have short hair because I have so many wounds from being called a boy when I was that. And, you know, and, and I've always been very, very white, you know, and it's like people are just mean. 
they, they find anything to attack. Um, and so what I found is, you know, for me using humor and stuff like that, that actually helped me to begin to get out of it. What, what was it that helped you to begin to deal with, you know, the scars? And when did you realize that you actually had these things that were hindering you? Um, so I grew up in the church as well. Right. And so the church I grew up in was a uh, very spiritual. <laughs> so everything was, you prayed about everything. You know, we were taught to just really pray a lot of situations, circumstances away. Um, so I would say that I started there just, you know, asking God to just help me, you know, cause I thought I was the problem as if I could change my skin tone or, mm-hmm. you know, do something different to my hair. Really, I couldn't do it other than just be. Um, But, you know, at that young age, you kind of look at yourself as the problem. And so I did a lot of just asking God first, why did you make me this way? Could you, you know, ask him to be changed to try to fit the mode of what people would maybe like because of my insecurities and my low self-esteem. And then I just really started, um, even at a young age, started journaling and writing a lot, my own thoughts and feelings. And it just really became, it was perfect for an Uh Uh-oh. (laughs) Uh-oh. Did she drop off or did we drop off? I'm not sure if we dropped off or she dropped off. <laughs> one of the practical things that I did, maybe I'll write a Bible one day. <laughs> no, but um, in my book, I talked about um, how I started this whole word study. And I decided to, to really build up my ammunition with words that were positive because I had so many negative ones in my memory bank. So I did this whole word study in the Bible, just with one word. I look up words, whatever I needed, peace, I would look up peace instead of, you know, being afraid. I was like, okay, what's the opposite of fear? And I would go look that up and I would read it and I would study it. I would memorize it. I would write it down. I would put it in my purse. I would stick it in my Bible so I could just keep reading it over and over again because I realized if I could understand enough what God is saying about me, it would outweigh what everyone else had already said and what they were saying. And that's when my confidence boosting really started. Um, becoming God confident and being happy with the fact that he made me the way he intended me to be. Yeah. And that's where it started. Okay, cool. We missed the part the, the, some of that because of the, we froze, but that's okay. I think I got the gist of it. So basically what I heard you say is that, um, Randall's pointing at me. What I heard you say, <laughs> I'm there. Oh, sorry. What I heard you say is that you started a journal and then eventually you started doing, um, word studies and are you still there? Are you back? I am. Okay. It froze a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It, what I heard you say is that you started a journal and then eventually you started doing word studies in the Bible. Um, you know, picking up the opposite of what it was you were feeling like if you were afraid you looked up, uh, courage or peace or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, what's interesting. I, I did that too. How weird is did that? Really? Yeah, I did. Yeah. That's I, really weird, Stacey. I know. Well, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. <laughs> and so so when I became a believer, I was radically saved from the, I mean, God literally snatched me from a very extremely abusive situation that if I hadn't come to him, I I might not be here. I mean, it mm. was that bad. So um, so I, I know, and very, and interestingly, the very first scripture my friend shared with me when she was sharing Christ with me was, uh, Romans 12, one and two, you know, which talks about not to be conformed right. to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that is so, so powerful. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. That's a scripture I use too. And the other one, um, was God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Mm-hmm. I kept saying it over and over because a result of my abuse and being teased, I also became very paranoid. 
mm-hmm. and I was afraid all the time. And so, you know, realizing that that spirit was not of God. And so just trying to, again, grasp at straw, so to speak, to um, find the word that would settle me and give me that peace. That's one of the scriptures that I, so I definitely did a lot of scripture reading and I just would quote the word over and over again. I know. See, see who needs therapy when you got God's word, <laughs> but <clears throat> just kidding. No, we all need I therapy. Started, I said it was a starting point. <laughs> I was 11. <laughs> um, so yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's good though. No, but it is good. And you know, anyway, so let me, Hey, let me say hi to some people. So Roshonda Pratt, Dr. Uh, Roshonda is there. Hey. I didn't call. Are you, you're not a doctor. Wait, why did I call you're you that? Doctor. I meant, be a doctor. I meant to say the Roe show is there. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Carolyn is there. Uh, and and who else is there? That's I, that's all I can see. Oh, Paula is there too. That's cool. All right. So thank you guys for coming in. I hope you enjoy Joyce. That's why you're here. I know it. And I'm glad. And then, of course, there's some other people on Periscope who I can see. Now, Nair uh, was relating to some of the stuff that you were saying uh, she said, I was called the dark knight in high school. Wow. You know, because of the darkness of her skin. I think, Nair, are you from Haiti, if I'm recalling correctly? Uh, forgive me if I got that wrong. But, um, but yeah, I mean, so just, it really does. And, you know, it really is um, just rude. You know? <laughs> you know, hey, Bob and Rachel and Mia and Pastor Garrett. And Melanie and Mia and everybody else in there that I can't see. Wanda, I think you're in there too. Some other people. Glad that you're here. Hey, if you guys at any moment or any time have a question for Joyce, let me know, okay? Because then I'll I'll ask her. Because sometimes I don't remember stuff. Yeah, sure, from Haiti. Okay, there you go. Nailed it. <laughs> All right. So, Joyce, how did you, and now you're a pastor's wife, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah. that is a special calling in life to be able to deal with a man who is called to preach God's word. But not only that, but to deal with the church that you're like the first lady of, really. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So what's it like to be a woman in leadership in the church when, you know, when you are being like scrutinized, no doubt, by everybody in the church on some level? So that's kind of a loaded question, but I think it's a necessary one. So just a little okay. bit of history. We okay. actually pastored for 15 years um, on the West Coast. Uh, seven years, we supported a ministry and then eight years on our own. And so we currently are in Georgia, not pastoring, but I am was a pastor's wife. So I want to just put that caveat in there for those that are watching and like, wait a minute, you're not pastoring and you didn't tell me you have a church, you know, so okay. just want to bring that little caveat clarity there. Um, but at any rate, the, um, the experience, um, you do... Well, I have to tell my experience. I don't know everybody else's experience. My experience is that I did feel uh, under, to use your word, scrutiny. You do feel another level. There's another level of responsibility to, to, to be who you are in your authentic self. Um, but you do have to realize you may run the risk of everyone not liking that or approving that because of their idea of what they think a pastor's wife should be. So for me, one of my challenges going into the pastorate was the fact that my model of a pastor's wife was the woman who sat on the front row dressed in all the pretty garb head to toe, but said nothing. And I knew that Joyce Gilmer has a lot to say. (laughs) (laughs) So I was concerned about that because I was like, how is this going to work? 
I know I have this greater call in my life. I know that I'm here to support my husband and do ministry with him. But there's also this other part of me that knows I'm called to the nations, to the world, to travel, to preach, to teach, to pray, do all the things that I'm called to do. And so for me, there was kind of this inner struggle and then making sure that the people understood that as well. But I will say that it's important for the, the husband to bring validation to that, that woman and that wife. You can either feed into it it's kind of how he speaks and how he builds you up and how he delivers and presents it. You know, so for us, we were, we were always in ministry together and my husband understood that call on my life. So um, it was just kind of letting people understand that and continue to demonstrate that. You know what? That's a great point. That is an excellent point. I don't think I've ever interviewed a woman who is the pastor's wife or ex pastor's wife or kind of, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Who's actually really ever talked about that. Um, so candidly, because, Um, because I mean, look at me. Okay. For me, God called me to do this. Right. And then it was, I don't even know how, how, however many years into it. Next thing you know, Randall's like, well, you know, I think we can make this better for you. And he, he ended up quitting his job and he was doing some other stuff and started coming alongside me to actually help produce what we do. This was way back 15 years ago, like probably a couple of years into when I was first starting to do podcasting. Cause I was like, whatever, I don't care how this sounds, blah, you know? And, but he's like, no, this has to sound better. I'm like, okay, whatever, what, do whatever you want, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then when we even got on Periscope, it was the same thing. It was like, you know what? Everybody's going like this and looking at the thing and we're, and, and, but he's like, no, we need to do something better. We need to make it better. And I'm like, okay, you just do your thing. And I'm ne- and I never take that for granted because I know a lot of women in ministry who uh, who are almost ministry widows in a different way because their wow. husbands don't actually support what they do. They're, they're almost they almost live like two separate lives. So I think the couple thing is extremely important, and we see you know we see that model in scripture as well. I mean, um, Priscilla and Aquila. I was going to say Ananias and Sapphira, but that wasn't the. That would be a good example. No, right. That's so. I had I had to pull the right one out, but that was the first one that came to my mind. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's so you've been you've been um, you've been uh, married like twenty seven years at least. Twenty seven years, yeah. Congratulations, that's awesome. Thank you. We'll be twenty eight this year. Yeah, it, it'll be 27 for me and Bareface, so mm-hmm. it's quite the accomplishment that our husbands put up with us that long, huh? <laughs> vice versa. I was telling my husband, vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I'm like, hey, what's it like being married to a woman with the gift of prophecy? Uh, so you you actually have that gift. You have the gift of prophetic yes. thing. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of like Nathan and Deborah, right? I think. In what way? Well, okay, Nathan spoke to the inner circle, like Nathan spoke to David, the king, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, and there's nothing bad written about Nathan that I know of. I could be wrong, but I don't think there is. And then Deborah, you know, and Esther, same thing. They, they both were in very high positions of authority speaking, speaking into a culture that was like, you know, I could die if I did this, you know, and let's face it in our culture in America, we're very fortunate as women. We, we can be bold and we can speak out differently than like say somebody in various parts of Africa mm-hmm. or Muslim dominated nations where women are still in bondage. Right. So um, I was told the other day, and I love this, this um, explanation that someone gave me about pro- being prophetic and all of that. 
So the way that she phrased it is this, is that some of us are, are her words were called to the table and some of us are called to the platform. So there's a, there are those of us who will be invited in to close circles, the close knit circles, those are higher points of leadership to speak and give guidance and direction to those that are leading and governing you know, kingdoms, cities, communities. And then there are those of us who are called to go out to the nations, speak the word and leave. And so I have been privy to kind of both aspects. Hmm. Um, just in ministry, I've been in a lot of higher leadership positions and brought in close to ministry leadership um, because it requires a certain uh, grace, discretion, uh, discernment, care, you know, sensitivities that you have to have. You just can't be out there all willing. Oh, King, you are a big sinner. You got to stop. Like you just, you know, <laughs> you got to have a certain grace with the gift. And when you don't have the grace with the gift, gift, you cause damage. And oftentimes irreversible damage. And so it requires a lot of um, really prayer and uh, so- solitude and prayer time so that you're always making sure that what you're speaking is of God and that you're not leading people um, astray or giving them false promises or hopes they're going to get a car tomorrow or get a car in 30 days if they turn around 25 times like not that kind of stuff right um but stuff that aligns with the word of god and you should be able to find a confirmation somewhere in the scripture that's the type of prophecy i'm talking about amen sister if i could i'd just give you a big hug right now deep, like I'm being too deep <laughs> no you're not being deep you're actually being honest and and frankly okay. <laughs> frankly that's what needs to be said i mean uh you know that's part of the reason i do what i do is is and i've learned because look let's just admit it i'm <laughs> i'm not necessarily the most gracious person in the world the lord has actually had to like you know kind of sh- mold me a little bit smack me around you know all all that you know make me a a more beautiful pearl you know um but over the years i have i mean because like i said if you knew me 30 years ago when i was saying to people in jest i'm gonna hit you over the head with a lead pipe you you probably (laughs) wouldn't want to know me today it was like when i hit 40 all of a sudden the word honey and dear and sweetheart started coming out of my mouth and i'm like how the heck did that happen i mean it really did so (laughs) You know what I mean, honey? Do you? You do, don't you? Yeah. Sorry. You got to look up over there. <laughs> okay. So as a pastor's wife, can you, and I know that you're, quote, a former one, but even you can apply this even to your life today. Can you talk to the issue of loneliness in leadership? Because I know that women in particular struggle in relationships because of the scrutiny and because like oftentimes these, these callings can be very lonely. I mean, the prophets in the Old Testament, especially, were super lonely guys. I'm pretty sure of it. <laughs> um, so how do you deal? How do you deal with that type of thing? It's interesting, because oftentimes, uh, when you're called to leadership, you're called out of isolation. But it's also a place you often have to go back to to keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So like, for me, I have to find myself going back to that place of solitude, that place of quiet, that that place that centers me. And then I'm able to go out because I'm able to re- refuel and then go out. Um, but you need people. Uh, we're human and we need human touch. We need human interaction and we need human connection. We also, as leaders, need to also feel safe. You know, we need to find safe places. I feel that that's part of the reason that we do suffer, um, speaking generally, sometimes with loneliness. We don't, we have not, we're afraid to be vulnerable, number one, because we are unsure, <clears throat> excuse me, what our safe place can be. You know, who is it that we can trust? Everyone comes to us and dumps on us and yeah, that's a horrible word. I take that back. Can we rewind that? 
Mm-hmm. Everyone comes to us <laughs> and shares and pours, you know, and you're there to counsel, encourage and motivate. Um, but who does that for you? At a certain point, you're going to find yourself operating on empty. And when you do that, you end up in burnout. And when you do that, you quit. Yep. And so you don't want it to be where you are, um, you know, functioning on fumes because then you're not effective. And the end goal for all leadership is to be fully effective and walking in the full expression of what God has called us all to do in our designated areas and spaces. So you owe it to God, number one, you have a responsibility to God for the gift that he's given you to to protect that and to make sure that you find spaces with whether it's a few friends or circles or pastor's wife circles, or you find somebody you can go to lunch lunch with or whatever, but you owe it to God and to yourself to make sure that you guard that gift, that you protect that gift, that you find a safe place so that you can lead effectively and that you can leave, lead wholly, meaning complete and whole, whether you've got to get therapy or whatever that looks like for you. But I really, really encourage women because especially like when you're young in ministry, mm-hmm. um, one of two things happens. Either people see your potential and they cling to you for the sake of drawing from you, right? They can get all they could get from you because, oh, they see the potential and they see the grace and they see that you're going somewhere, going somewhere. So they want to attach. Uh, we call those leech spirits. They come and they attach and they just suck dry. And you know when they're done because you're empty and you're tired and you're drained. You have a headache. But you want to find relationships that allow you to have reciprocity. When you're done having lunch or coffee, you also feel refueled and you're excited and you're not tired. Um, That's one of the main things, one of the main testers and way you can find out. If you leave a situation and you're drained and tired, mm, you might want to check that relationship out. You know, so find spaces and places and people that you can find yourself being fueled as a leader. Amen. I agree wholeheartedly with everything you just said. And I think you're right, especially when you are younger into it. But I also do think that there there's that tendency also as you grow older and more visible as a leader. I, and, and I know for me the the this I, I don't have any problem with my boundaries usually. But I can tell right away when somebody else does because they'll text you at 11 o'clock at night when they barely know you and say, can you call me right now? Because I'm, you know, I'm not, I need a friend. And I'm like, don't you have another friend? You don't know me. I mean, you know what I mean? So there's, there's various things where you're, you know, the, the cues are all there and you can say, hey, you know what? No, I'm in bed. <laughs> right. Uh, or or whatever. And so that's, that's very cool. You're a very wise lady. I totally appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. And for those of you that have issues saying no, um, and leadership, because they feel an obligation to be available to everyone, whoever asks us to be available. Um, one of the things that I did, I learned to do much later, not early in my leadership, but much later, um, was to learn how to say no by making myself not as easily available. So when someone would call, when my phone would ring at 11 o'clock, Guess what I'm not going to do? Answer right. it. Right. Because I just set the precedent that I'm now available at 11 o'clock at night. And I'm really not because I'm sleeping normally. Right. So I have to learn to set those boundaries, communicate what those are. I'm not available tonight, but let's check, let's check my calendar for tomorrow or the next day. And even in that, you decide how much time you want to give. Listen to me, leaders. You decide how much time you can give. Do not go to, into a meeting just for some indefinite amount of time. You'll be at a lunch for four hours and still the person will not be agreeing to change or to make another level of a decision that they need to do to change their life. And they'll be back in your office the next week. 
So one of the things I learned to do was establish boundaries and we're going to have lunch. It's going to be for one hour and one hour only because guess what? I have something else to do. Even if that's something else to do is sit down on my couch and watch TV. <laughs> I've got something else to do after this meeting. <laughs> so I'm going to make it one hour and one hour only. Conversation is 30 minutes because when you get too long, people get in their feelings and then there's no resolution. What is the resolution? We've right. got to have a resolution so that it could be changed. Yes. Yes. Amen. Well, you know what? Amen. And I've had a lot of, <laughs> I can tell you lots of stories, but that's exactly what I've actually learned to do. I've learned um, within a couple of a minutes, usually I can tell if somebody's going to do that. And then if they want to go out with me or something, I'll just say, look, this time, you know, if you, if you go, let's say it's somebody new and you don't know how they're going to be, you know, and it ends up being a five hour lunch, let's just say, <laughs> and you're like trying to drag yourself out the whole time and you can't because the person's talking forever. Um, I've learned to say, look, you know what, I have an hour or 90 minutes tops and I have to be somewhere at this time. So I'm going to have to leave by here and not feel guilty about it. And I think, I think with women in particular, I could be wrong. I'm not a man. You guys could speak to this, but I think with women, because we're more relational generally, it's harder to pull it away, you know, and it's harder to say no. But if you don't say no, you don't have boundaries. And that's, I mean, that's a fact. And we all need boundaries. Even God has boundaries. So just saying. Boundaries. You got to have boundaries. Because yep. you have so many different containers you're pouring into in a day. And you've only got 24 hours. And you've got husbands and jobs and children and church membership and companies you're running. And so you have to be able to categorize and to assign and assess time, you know, time frames. I think that's been most effective for me. And just again, not answering my phone every time it rings or every time a text goes off. And today with notifications, the way they're set up, you can just lose your mind trying to jump at every time a text message hits or something dings or something chimes, like you'll be all over the board. Mm -hmm. And so I just learned to categorize my life. Like I literally have certain days where I only do, you know, certain things for certain days because it required that level of energy. So I will only do my lunch, my lunch meetings on Tuesdays and Thursdays because they require more energy. I have to go leave my house, sit down, get dressed, put on makeup, look cute. That's another level of energy for me. Drive <laughs> to the venue, sit down for two hours, drive back. So I'm only going to do that so many days a week, right? And I'm doing that five days a week. Right. You're going to have to get it in the time that I have it available. Then I have project days. I'm going to sit and just sit and design all day because a different level of energy is required for that. So that's kind of how I do mine to help me to keep my sanity a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, that's ideally, but everyone may not be able to do that, but that's what I do. No, I think it's good. I think it's great actually. And I've learned to do that myself. All right. Hey, everybody, if you just came in or you've been in here for a while and I haven't acknowledged you, it's not because I don't love you or anything. It's just because I'm trying to watch a couple screens and it's hard to, but I didn't want to say hi to Patrice and Monique over there on Facebook. If you're still there, hopefully. Patrice. And, uh, also everybody else that just came in, my friend Jennifer's in there and Oddvar's there and Gina's there and other people are in Periscope. Thank you guys for coming back in. Uh, I really appreciate it. I also want to tell you guys, if you don't know, Ariel Ministries is our sponsor. Uh, I want to give them a shout out here. They have been faithfully sponsoring this show for over two years now. And it's because you guys have seen the value in what they offer us. And so I want to say thank you, just so you know. Thank you guys for believing in us and supporting our sponsor because without our sponsor, you know, we, would, we wouldn't have as much money coming into the show. Let's just be honest. Okay, I'll just be honest about it. But their stuff is awesome. And I have to tell you, if you go over to ariel.org, you can save 20% on anything on their website uh, when you use the coupon code Bible News. That's right. And if you want some examples of things you can look at, go over to our website at BibleNewsRadio.com. Check out the resources page. 
especially you pastors. I mean, seriously, there's some good theologically meaty stuff there for you guys to get and use in your Bible study, which you should be doing if you're pe- preaching, by the way. <laughs> you shouldn't be one of these people just like going, hey, I read the newspaper and this is what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, open up the Bible. We have some other good resources as well on, on our website. So you can check that out as well at your leisure or leisure. I'm not sure if it's leisure or leisure, but you know what I mean. Yeah, you do. Also, you can become a pillar of our community. You're the people that hold us up. Yeah, you do. Like pillars. That's how I came up with that. I think it's pretty clever. Anyway, if you want to donate to our show, become a donor. uh, You can do that at our website as well. Go to BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give. And hey, I have to tell you guys also, in case you didn't know, we have a podcast. We're on iTunes. We're on about 17 different podcasting platforms. If you uh, have not actually subscribed to the audio, sometimes it's more fun just to listen to this than it is to look at us, except for yesterday when you got to see my feet. Just saying. Uh, no, in all seriousness, you guys can, you know, put Bible News Radio into iTunes. You can go and subscribe in iTunes, and we're on Stitcher, we're on Spreaker, we're on Anchor. We're, I mean, we're pretty much everywhere a podcast can be. So if you want to listen to us, and like relive the moment in audio form, you can do that. (laughs) And you should, because here's the truth. Most of you are going to remember only like 10% of this conversation. That's the truth, right? You go back and listen to it, and then you'll remember more important stuff. And because my guest is so awesome, you need to re-listen to everything that she said. All right, just so you know. All right, by the way, our guest is Joyce Gilmer. That's right, people. Gilmer. Joyce. My guest. Yeah, I nailed that. <laughs> nailed it. Um, hey, Joyce, if I can if I can remember Dr. Khan Shlobachikov, I got I got Gilmer. <laughs> <laughs> but you would be surprised. Sometimes sometimes it's like playing pickleball, you know. I get the easy shot, i I mean the hard shot, it's like super great. Man, I lobbed, I get the lob, it went over there, got it. But then I missed the little dink. And it was so easy. I'm like, dang it, if I had taken one more step, I would have gotten it. But anyway. It's like life, isn't it? <sighs> yeah. So, okay. So we talked a little bit about your book, but but you're actually a speaker and you have an interesting story of how you became a speaker and ended up like going on all these different tours. I want to hear it because I think this is inspirational and, you know, and you're, um, you know, you're building her up and, you know, the and all that. <laughs> So, wow, where do I start? Okay, so like I told you, I've always had something to say. Okay. Once I found my voice, um, I decided to use it. And um, I used it first through preaching. I didn't, I I can go back to, I believe that our gifts are already within us. So I can go back to reciting Easter speeches in Sunday school and, you know, uh, Easter programs and Christmas program. Like I always was given the longest speech. I had to do every letter of Easter, E-A-S-T-E-R with the long stanza with every letter. <laughs> they would give that to me, you know, at eight years old. And so I remember even then, I believe the speaker was being groomed and cultivated um, because I just loved speaking. I loved standing in front of people, even though I was nervous. Um, I was just loved to speak and to read and all that. So I think it kind of started when I was younger. Um, but as I went through my own journey of my own woundedness and then being healed, I realized that my real passion was to help people out of what I had been stuck in for so long, and particularly women. Mm-hmm. Stuck in, content, for instance, depression, sadness, loneliness, low self-esteem, no confidence, 
you know, getting in bad relationships, trying to love, be loved by somebody who didn't care about me, all those things that I went through, I realized was a message that I needed to now share as to how you can get out, how you are valuable, how you do have worth. And so everything I do is really about empowering women. That is really the core and the crux of who I am and what I do. Um, aside from the, the general preaching ministry, of course, with the regular general population, my real heart and passion is to empower women. So I do have the caveat, her on everything, dream activate her. Um, the dream mentorship, the dream build her circle, because I'm really about empowering and building and equipping women in particular. Um, the whole dream activator became because I believe that there are gifts that are dormant within us and that sometimes life's tragedies and traumas and circumstances cause those gifts and talents and skills to be dormant. Mm -hmm. um, and so they just kind of stay lay, you know, lay low and uh, sometimes just dissipate and you'll think, oh, what's well, too late? I'm too old. It's like, I forget it now. And I'm here to let everyone know that you've still got time to win. At the end of the day, like as long as there's life, as long as you have breath, that you still have time to win. You can still write. You can still sing. You can still create the book. You can still start the business. And so I'm all about this activation um, in places that have been lying dormant. And so that's kind of the grace that's on my life. It's kind of the anointing, if you will, that's on my life through speaking, through training, through coaching, through mentoring. I do all of that for the purpose of helping women to wake up to their dreams. That's my whole saying, wake up to your dreams, like stop sleeping on it. It's time to wake up and walk in your purpose because you can. And it's difficult to do that by yourself. So that's what I'm here for yeah. <laughs> as the coach and as the mentor uh, to help you get it done. And that's what I do every day in my business. Um, that's what I do in ministry. When I'm done preaching, it's going to always lead to some level of encouragement or empowerment. That's just, that's just who I is. It is. It's <laughs> awesome. I love yeah. it. I totally love it. I really do. Because, you know, I think God has called me to do a very similar thing. Although I'm not at the speaking thingy. Not yet. <clears throat> what are you doing right now? Of course you're speaking. Yeah, well, but not like, like on a stage. I mean, I'm speaking. Yes. Here's my voice, people. You're reaching throughout the, like literally across the entire world with your voice. You're like, right. Resounding, echoing, like, you know, literally, I think it's about, and one of the things I teach in my classes is, you know, what is it, how do you want to show up with your gift or how should you show up with your gift based on what your, your talent or skill set is? So, you know, for people, people that have a message, you don't always have to be speaking at a microphone. It might be done through blogging. You know, it might be done through writing. The point is to impact those you're called to impact however it is you're called to impact them. So I may never be the best writer, but I'm a wonderful speaker. Then I'm going to use that to speak. I might get on a podcast. I might get on an interview like I'm on today because I want to talk. So I'm going to be on this interview. I'm going to be seeking out opportunities to get anywhere I can to speak. It may be on the side school class. It may be like, don't discount everything. Everything that you can stand up to do to speak or exercise your gift is an opportunity. It is a way to exercise and express the purpose that's on the inside of you. Everything you do. So don't discount that. Amen, sister. Have value. You're right. I have been schooled, people. <laughs> yeah, I have. I'm not trying to school you. I'm just trying no, to. No, 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 no. I mean that in a good way. I don't mean. <laughs> uh, no, no, that's good. You know, I because you know what? Sometimes when you're in the midst of it, you don't like for me. I, sometimes the obvious is not that obvious to me. Let's yeah. just be honest. Okay. I mean, anybody that listens to this show gets that. It's the weird stuff. Yeah, it's that stuff that. <laughs> it's the unique things, though. Yeah, that that create the 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 unique value, right? There's 25 different burger joints. It doesn't stop the next person from putting the 26th burger joint because right. at the end of the day, they all have a different different twist on their burger. 
And so the reality is that's one of those things that the enemy does to us. Oh, everybody's coaching or everybody wants to be mentored, or everybody's speaking, everybody's preaching. So then he says, oh, you don't need to do that. But at the end of the day, that's a trick of the adversary to keep you from moving forward. What is it that God has called you to do? Who did he call you to speak to? Because Stacey's audience may not be my audience and my platform may not be hers, but at the end of the day, we are called to some somebody. It may not be everybody, but there are some somebodies that you are supposed to be speaking to, leading, encouraging, comforting, counseling, whatever. And so you need to just find out who that who those somebodies are. Yeah. Okay. I have a I have a loaded question. Okay. Okay. Just so you know it's loaded. Get ready. Okay. So but I think you can handle it. So Okay. When when you're when you're in the, the process of working with various people and different personality types, which we all which we all are, right? You know, let's just face it, we all have different personalities. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with, how have you dealt with like a personality type that God's called you to lead that's completely the opposite of who you are? That and, and they might actually annoy you. Just admit it. I mean, they actually do irritate you, but God's called you to mentor them. <laughs> and just so you know, I'm not talking about any of you in my audience. Just this isn't like, you know, I'm, I'm like thinking of somebody. <laughs> That's not the case. But I am curious because that is part of personal development as well as being a mentor and a leader to, to some people, right? Because God shapes you through. Sometimes when you're mentoring somebody, he's like, like he's mentoring you at the same time. Working on stuff within you. Yeah. 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 I get that. So. Um, that is a loaded question. Yeah, it is. And for <laughs> me, what I, okay. So for me, this is just my, I'm, I, I guess I'm trying to like, trying to figure out, I'm bifurcating between ministry mentoring and mentoring mentoring. Okay. So, because when God calls you to do something, I believe your grace to do it. Period. Right. Like, I believe that if God anoints you to be the one for somebody, you have the grace to handle whatever that person is going to bring your way. Um, I also talk about that in my book because I talk about the need to get honest with somebody else. Three things toward healing is to get honest with God, get honest with yourself and get honest with someone else. And that someone else is finding out who your Moses is. Who is your Moses? Who is the one that's assigned to help you get out of your Egypt, whatever your Egypt is, to get you just walking toward the promised land? Who is that person, right? And so that person is your mentor. And so when we look at Moses, he was not, this, you know, perfect, gorgeous, six foot five peanut butter. That's my husband, a uh, six foot four peanut butter man. <laughs> you know, he, he had a speech impediment. He had a hot temper, you know, he was temperamental. And so I think so many times we discount who our mentors could be because we have this perfect image of what they should look like and what they should offer and how they should be. And so even for us, it's like finding out who that is, because again, I believe that if you don't find the one that you're supposed to be, mentored by that you'll connect with someone that may end up dropping you instead of mentoring you and you end up more devastated. And so for me, from a mentorship perspective, I always lead with prayer first. I've had so many people approach me and say, Oh, I believe you're supposed to mentor me. And I'm like, really? Okay. Here are my processes. A process will weed anybody out. So have a process. Number one, (laughs) have a system, have some intake questions, however you do it, where you begin to filter out and determine the sincerity of someone's willingness to go through a process of mentorship, because mentorship requires that I pour into you. That's a lot of work. Yeah, it is. That's a lot of work for somebody who is going to do what they want to do anyway, going to have attitude anyway. So I think just (laughs) being um, direct with the person you're mentoring you know, one of the things I do is I find out how a person receives, how they receive and process information best. 
because I can be blunt sometimes. So if you're going to be sensitive, I may not be the one for you Yeah. because I'm at the point where I am about pushing women to their purpose because God is using me. God is using you to redeem time. He's putting us in place as spiritual midwives to help people hurry up and get to what they're supposed to be doing because you've been playing too long. And so you can't get in a mentor, get a mentorship program or get a mentor and then still be dilly dagging. No, that's not what we're going to do right now. We're going to hurry up and get you to where you're supposed to go. So you got four weeks. What you want to do? Like I'm direct uh-huh. like that. That's good. And so the person is sensitive. I'm like, well, maybe not this time or maybe not right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. later. I think that's awesome. Cause you know what? I know, um, Really? Did somebody just, oh, no, it was my Fitbit telling me to take it for a walk, but I can't because I'm doing my show. <laughs> These things control our lives, don't they? I don't have one. Okay, you're smart. But anyway, <laughs> uh, recently um, I, I heard a man named, his name is Brian Carruthers, and he is, um, he's one of the top sellers of Legal Shield. And when I first saw this guy, and if you're a Legal Shield person watching and you're in the top, don't like hate me for what I'm about to say. But when I first saw him, I was like, this guy's kind of an arrogant twit. Honestly, that's what I thought. I thought he's full of himself, kind of cocky. He's a millionaire, blah, blah, whatever. True story. But then I got one of his coaching courses on how to sell because I thought, you know what? I'm teachable and all this stuff. And one of the things that he said in this course was, he, he asked this question, are you coachable? And he, and he, and he says, he actually says, um, you can find out if people are coachable if you assign them a little task that even a knucklehead could do. He doesn't say it that way, but, you know, anybody could do this. There'd be zero excuse that nobody couldn't do this. And if the person doesn't do it, then, you know, be careful with how much time you invest for that very thing, because it's like time is money, right? Time is the only thing that we spend every single day and we can never get back. Right. Right. I mean, you cannot earn your time back. It's gone. Poof. You know, all you people who've been watching this for the last hour, this time's gone. Poof. But fortunately, it's on replay. <laughs> you can watch the replay. But the point is, is that it enjoys is that it actually what you just said is actually something I heard from a millionaire, uh, you know, a $10 million. That's great. Yeah, no, I mean, but it's true. And, and, and it really is true. Because, because, you know, I always say this as my as a as a therapist, you know, I always notice people coming into my office, they're either mandated, forced to be there, or they are motivated people. And it was only the motivated that did anything, you know? So it could be the fee that you charge, you know? Are you going to, you know, how motivated are you to pay a hundred bucks for a coaching session or 200 bucks? You know, how motivated? I mean, because sometimes that financial outset has to create some, quote, pain for them for it to actually work, right? You know what I'm saying? But then there's... But there's grace also for, you know, like maybe the money you, you have a heart like I do. I, I don't want to charge that much because I remember when I really wanted help. I couldn't afford that much. I really couldn't. But mm-hmm. I could afford that much. And I laid it out and I was very consistent for years in doing what I needed to do. So uh, so I think what you just shared is extreme wisdom. And I think all you people out there need to heed it. Just so you know, people processes 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 that that will lead anyone out and boundaries for sure yep and don't feel bad for it 
you know, and I, ha I have to say that, you know, I've struggled with that because codependency is a big, huge issue with a lot of people. I was raised, I was the codependent, you know, I was supposed to take care of everybody. Duh, that's why I became a therapist. <laughs> Usually that's what happens. Um, you know, and it, when I began to stand up for myself and take my life back and say, wait a minute, my needs are important. And don't you think that that's also something that's lacking? People don't know what their own needs are. So they, they, they're out there and they're, they're trying to figure out, you know, how to help everybody in the world when in reality, they need to like, look at who they are. Right. Yeah. Help yourself first. <laughs> help yourself first. Even even the airplane when you go on the airplane, what they say, put your own life, uh, what they put, put your own life mask on first, yeah. and then try to help other people. And so many times we we don't do that, especially as women. We're such over nurturers by nature. We are. So we can just really be all over the place. But you know, again, you owe it to yourself and the things you want to accomplish to just take a pause. You know, stop saying yes so quickly. I just want to tell someone that's watching, stop saying yes so quickly. You know how you do that? Let me get back with you on that. Mm -hmm. That's all you have to do. If you don't want to say no. Give yourself, give yourself a way out to say, you know what, let me get back with you on that. Or do you mind if I get back with you on that? Just do that. Just try that if you can't say no. And in those moments while you're thinking about it, give yourself some time and you'll get the courage to say no. Like I had to start there because I'm just such a, like, I was a people pleaser. I'm so heart centered in my business. It's like, oh my gosh, I want to help everybody. Until I did like, one time I did a six week course for 20 bucks. Wow. That, now, I have never even been that. Never again. Yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> But it's so true. I mean, yesterday, here's a true story. Yesterday, I got invited to go to a networking meeting. And after the show, I had a limited amount of time to get there. But here's the thing. I I got a call from Scam Likely and I answered it. <laughs> you know how Scam Likely calls everybody. Well, I mm -hmm. answered it and it ended up being this uh, telemarketer who wanted to sell me a, a, a four night stay and three, no, four day stay and three nights at some hotel for only $500 or whatever it was. I mean, it was something ridiculous, but it was a really a good deal. And being the gracious person that I am and, and admiring people who call unsolicited to your house and, and wanting to critique their presentation and how they're trying to sell me, I stayed on the phone for 20 minutes with this person. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and I asked questions and I was like super tempted. I was, Joyce, it was so hard for me to tell her no, but I eventually did because I had to go. And unfortunately, that's what I used. I said, I have to go. <laughs> but I really wanted to say yes to her because that's the type of person I am. But I didn't. Just so you know, I held back. Well, good for you for not saying yes. Yeah. Well, it would have cost me money I didn't have, first of all. But it was such a good deal that you know, I really wanted to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay all right so our whole hour is almost up so what i want you to do in this last time of course i have a list guest questions so i'm gonna i have to ask you at least one of those okay i'm ready all right <laughs> i have i have three categories you can choose which one you want or we can do all three okay all right okay eggs is a category magnets is a category and driving is another category which one would you like Hmm. Let's go with magnets. All right. Magnets for 500. Put that up on the board. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. So magnets are usually only found on one place in most people's houses, and that's the fridge. You would agree, right? Yes. Okay. Do you have any magnets on your fridge? I do. Okay. 
Like, tell tell me one or two of them that's on your fridge that and why. Uh, one of them is my daughter and her fiance. Cool. And obvious for obvious reasons because we're getting married soon, and so they had that made. Um, I dare not take it down because she'll be like, "Where's my magnet?" <laughs> um, uh, the other have a tons of coupons that I don't want to forget that I have. <laughs> I'm so frugal in my fifties. I am telling you, I'm trying to save every penny. And so I'm just like, oh, I'm going to get five bucks off when I go to the Kroger next time. So let me put that over there. You know, like, I'm just, I have like a lot of coupons. Like, so my magnets are just holding my coupons. Um, a lot of coupons, Stacey. I should take a picture and show you. Oh, that'd be That's cool. You could be the coupon <laughs> activator. Yeah, I, have a lot. <laughs> I have a lot of coupons. And sometimes I forget I have them and I still don't do it. Don't That's you hate that? Things I have those coupons and my daughter's picture. <laughs> But don't you hate when you have a coupon? I Randall and I do the same thing. We put them on our fridge and then we never use them. Or when we get around to it, they're expired. They're expired. Yeah, that's irritating. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a, I have a big, uh, big magnet. Uh, what do you call this? Expo marker board? Like the boards, like an expo marker. Uh-huh. Where I can just write my to-dos or write our important dates down for the family that we write on. So that's probably the largest magnet I can write on it. Yeah, that's cool. I have I actually have one of those on my on my fridge too. I gotta have those when you do so many things, right? I put my goals up there and my shopping lists. I don't forget. That's good. And yeah. then I have to take it. Then what I do is I take a screenshot of it uh-huh. and just take my phone to the grocery store. <laughs> I do that. And then I wipe it off. Into the phone. I don't know why we do that, but okay. <laughs> That's hilarious. I do the same thing. That's I'm not kidding you. I actually do the same thing. That's, oh, wow. that's too funny. All right. Uh, okay. So eggs was the other category was it eggs and, Eggs and driving. And there's let's, one other question for the life of me. I cannot remember it. Gonna... Let's do eggs. All right. You do you eat them, right? <laughs> yes. Well, there's some people that don't, actually. I've, I've learned that. I'm trying to contail it, but we still have eggs in the house. So I have to still cook with them, even if I don't eat them directly. But Gotcha. Yeah. So let's just say you have a carton of eggs with 12 eggs in it, and you take them out in order to cook them. <clears throat> Um, when you take the egg out and you crack it and then you put the egg in the frying pan or wherever it is, where do you put the eggshells? So, okay. So I have a system. So I crack, I stack and I toss. Okay. So I like crack them, put them on the counter, stack the shells inside each other. If I need three eggs, I'll stack them inside each other. Is that OCD? (laughs) No. I close the card to put it away. And then I take the eggs and throw them in the trash, toss them in the trash. And the dozens of people I've asked this question, you are the first admitter to stacking. I do stack my shelves. It's not a bad thing. But you throw it in the trash. You don't do compost or garbage disposal. I just throw it in the trash. But I got to know that they're stacked like that. Crack them and stack them. And then I'll just take them and toss them. Crack them and stack them. Take them. And but I don't want to take them like across the thing, all across the kitchen to the trash can or whatever. You know, I don't <laughs> want you. Yeah, that's just. <laughs> I, hey, I think that's a good thing. Okay, so what do you do with the eggs? Like you took five out. Let's just say, what do you do with the eggs left in the carton? Do you rearrange them? Leave them there? What do you do? I don't. Re- that's kind of too much. I don't rearrange. I don't rearrange. So if it's odd, it's just odd. But I take them out in order, so that should never have an odd egg. Now that's oh. funny because there's other people <laughs> I've talked to who who actually say 
they take eggs out in order. And it, it, that cracks me up. No pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. That's a good one, Stacey. <laughs> because, because it's like, what, are the eggs numbered? Like, here, you're supposed to see one, two. Well, that just means from front to back in order. Like, you don't get from the middle of the carton, do you? I do. Yep. <gasps> Bless my curls. Are you serious? Yeah, I always take them from right in the center, just take them right out? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I oh, do. Oh, wow. No, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I go from front to back, left to right. Like in order. That's, that's interesting. That's you. That's uniquely you. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's why I asked the question because now all your super fans <laughs> know something different about you. Yeah. <sighs> yep. So, do you have a favorite emoji? Cracking eyes are the laughing one with the tears. That's mine. That's mine too. <laughs> <laughs> like on everything. That's <laughs> mine. It's great. It's the best emoji ever, in my opinion. What's the blank stare? I do the blank stare a lot with my daughter who's in college. I do the blank stare a lot with her. Because <laughs> she has all the stories. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's great. Okay. All right. Randall's giving me the, the twirly finger. Hey, wrap this up, girlfriend. That's mm-hmm. what that means. All right. So thank you for being my guest. So tell everybody what they can buy from you or they can get it if they want to hire you to speak or do a be coaching or, you know, whatever. Just tell everybody whatever you want at the end here. Okay. (laughs) So you can do all of that. You Mm -hmm. can hire me for coaching. If you, essentially I'm an ideal developer. So if you are stuck with trying to really develop your vision or idea for whatever it is you want to do, um, you can go to JoyceGilmer.com. That's Gilmer, G-I-L-M-E-R.com. You can find out all about my mentoring program, my coaching, my Dream Launcher Academy, upcoming speaking engagements. My new book will launch or drop next month. So that'll be available. The new version of the of the um, Healing Words Wounded Hearts will drop in February. Um, and so, yeah, I'm excited. I also have an upcoming tour in California launching April 27th. Um, we already have several women that are coming across different states to be there as well. So joyceskimmer.com. That's very cool. I may be actually in California in April myself, but not at the end oh, of the awesome month. Sauce. I know. All right. <laughs> and follow her at I Move You Forward on pretty much everything, right? Instagram and Twitter for certain. And then on Facebook, I'm Joyce Gilmer Speaks. Gotcha. Okay. So you guys got that? Good. All right. All right, Joyce, thank you for being my guest. Stay there. Thank you. All of you people out there, thank you for being my guest. Uh, audience, just whoever you are. I appreciate it. <laughs> Tomorrow, I'm going to be playing a special interview that I did with Dr. Jerry Newcomb on uh, his brand new book called America Amnesia. I actually spoke with him today for about 45 minutes, and we're going to be talking about the history of America, the Christian history of America that's been lost, and why we need to like actually um, pay attention to it, and why you need to be attention pay attention to it, so that when people come against you and say America is not a Christian nation, etc., blah blah blah, then you're you're actually armed and dangerous with the truth. All right. It's a really good interview. So I hope you guys can tune in tomorrow at four o'clock. Don't re- don't forget, re- be slugged by me in the morning. Get slugged with me in the morning here on Periscope between eight and eight thirty ish. That's usually when I'm on for our morning devotion time. We're going to continue to look at the prayer of Hannah, which there's a lot in there. So plan on joining me tomorrow morning as well. Okay. Remember, be bold, stand up and go with God, people, because he loves you. Yeah, he does. He made you just the way you are, and that's good enough.